there's been a lot of speculation, and I've kind of shot these down, but like that, that you know, maybe you were handcuffed and you couldn't trade a first round draft pick until there was an ownership change. But none of that was really true, right? You've had the the ability to go make deals and sign players and things like that on your own as it is right now, correct? Um, we, I've had I've had the ability to do some things. Um, evidently, when you're when you're like where we are, um, just not us, but the other other franchises and the, you know counterparts, they think about okay, um, what's the likelihood something will be able to get done? Uh, so it, it it ices it, it chills it a little bit. But um, as far as business, we've been able to to have the conversations and focus on the things we think can improve the team, and uh, we'll continue to do so going forward. Welcome back, everybody. Happy Wednesday. Tim Ring, Dan Bickley with you until 10 o'clock. That the voice of James Jones responding to a Gambo question uh, that's been at the root of a lot of our conversations for the last couple of months, and that is, are there stipulations on James Jones? Is there a hold on draft picks throughout the course of a sale of a franchise? Um, you, you heard James Jones' very slippery answer to what was a very leading question from Gambo. Gambo claiming he's reported that James Jones doesn't have restrictions and James Jones very slippery answer that eh, we've had the ability to do some things, some, some things, but some. some things get iced. This whole thing came into full view yesterday in a story dropped on ESPN.com by Brian Windhorst with reporting from Baxter Holmes. And, and here are the highlights. According to Brian Windhorst, Robert Sarver still has to give personal sign off on any deal for a player with a salary that is more than the current average player salary. Multiple league sources confirmed to ESPN. This would include any luxury tax payments, which the Suns are currently projected to pay. The current average player's salary is $10.8 million. Jay Crowder's salary is $10.2 million. And the Suns, according to Brian Windhorse's sources, have had talks about various multiplayer trades over the past few months that would have all likely ended up on Sarver's desk. End quote. And yet nothing has happened. Sam Garvin, who's running the team in in Robert Sarver's stead, told Dwayne Rankin that that they've got ability to do things as long as it's nothing crazy, as long as as it's not signing a bunch of max players. Brian Windhorst reporting right here is in direct contradiction to what Sam Garvin told Dwayne Rankin of AZ Central. Direct contradiction. So the question becomes, what in the heck is going on here? And and is Robert Sarver saying, nope, 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 nope? Well, that's what we're talking about. Let's get right down to brass tacks here with this article. So clearly Robert Sarver, clearly James Jones does at some point have handcuffs on him. He's able to do small deals. They're able to make certain deals that don't exceed a certain dollar amount or or whatnot. The article does point out that Garvin was able to give James Jones that promotion and new title without Robert Sarver's approval. Mm-hmm. So they can do some things. Exactly what James Jones said in that answer that now it makes a lot more sense that he chose those exact words. But Robert Sarver, according to the article, still in control of any trades that surpass a certain agreed upon dollar amount. Mm-hmm. So, again, let's get down to brass tacks. The only way this story matters or it could matter 
is if Robert Sarver is essentially sabotaging the Suns. Exactly. Improvement of exactly. the roster. And, That's and, all we're talking about here. Yeah. yeah. And ooh. why wouldn't he? And sadly, there's a lot of people who believe that would be possible because they are taking this franchise from him. Yep. This wasn't his choice to walk this away. This wasn't his choice I, to start I, I know. Now, here, here's the other thing that gets this real tricky because you, you, you could say to yourself, and I've said this to myself, okay, couldn't the NBA Board of Governors expedite Matt Ishbia's approval to get him in and to get Robert Sarver out as soon as possible to not hamstring this basketball team between before the trade deadline? And I was always acting on that premise. Brian Windhorst um, says it doesn't look like the sale is going to get approved before the NBA trade deadline because the NBA is dealing with collective bargaining issues right now with the players union which is a heck of a lot more important to them than what's going on in Phoenix Phoenix Arizona and then you back off even further and you say to yourself yeah why would the NBA board of governors why would the rest of the league want to take care of the Phoenix Suns in this position why why would they want to do that also let's face it they're not going to rush into approval of any new owner after what they've had to deal with with okay. owners over the last few years, but 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 if 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 Sam Garvin and James Jones is call, they call the league office and they talk to Adam Silver and they talk to the guys there in New York and they say, look, we we, we we've got deals in place and rubber won't rubber stamp them. I would think the league would want to act in the best interest of one of its franchises. You would hope. and expedite this thing and. Big, I, I'm with you. The, the, why can't the league expedite this uh, well, transition to Ishbia before the trade deadline? Because they can do anything they want. I don't want to hear about the CBA and the Windhorse actually referenced the holidays that there were. The, well, this came before, right before the holidays. So, in other words, nobody was really working on anything in the in the New York NBA offices. What, what makes this even more problematic to me? Two things here. Number one, the Suns have a pair of expiring contracts in Jay Crowder and Dario Saric. If they don't trade them before the trade deadline. That is derelict. They are going to lose those assets for nothing. All right. And, and and that's fairly significant. The other fairly significant thing here, too, is is if Matt Ishbia comes in after the trade deadline and he can't effectively speed this process up to make a run this year. It says it tells you that there's language that allows Robert Sarver to do this for a reason that Robert Sarver as part of his. OK, listen. I don't like what you're doing. I think this is a hit job. I think you through ESPN uh, targeted me and are taking away my property. I will sell the team under these conditions. And the NBA got to the point where they had to sign off on it. If that happened, which clearly it must have happened, then this season is gone. And you're, it's you're, out the window. Are you saying, are you hinting, or are you saying the possibility exists that one of these conditions are this sale does not get improved until after February 9th? Or, or, or no, the, the condition that Robert Sarver has control over everything until the sale goes through, knowing that the the NBA realizes that the collateral damage might be the Phoenix Suns completely being hamstrung this entire season. And that's why the NBA can counter by expediting the process just to end that and, and make the transition. But I don't know if they can count. I don't know if they can expedite it. That's what we're going to find out. This is the thing that's going to make this uh, few weeks coming up here kind of interesting uh, going forward. All right, when we come back on the other side, we're going to visit with a former colleague of mine. We're going to get a viewpoint live from Buffalo, Buffalo New York, Catherine Fitzgerald. From the Buffalo News joins us next. You're listening to Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Marotta Mornings. 
Happy Wednesday, everybody. Welcome back. Tim Ring filling in for Vinny. I am Dan Bickley. Our great pleasure to welcome in a former colleague of mine at AZ Central and the Arizona Republic. Currently a star at the Buffalo News. She is Catherine Fitzgerald. Hi, Catherine. How are you? Hey, Dan. It's good to hear from you. Great to hear from you as well. All right, so you're in the press box in Cincinnati when this when this scene unfolds. Take us through how you processed everything and how the story is playing out currently in Buffalo. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously unlike anything I've ever covered. Um, thinking of DeMar and his family right now, he's still in critical condition in Cincinnati. Um, but just, you know, to answer your question from that standpoint, um, it's... I've seen injuries in football before, but there was kind of something pretty quickly different about this one. Um, you know, not to compare injuries or anything like that, but just from the urgency of, you know, medical staff, athletic trainers running onto the field, it kind of right away we could tell there was something different. Um, so really horrifying, frankly. Um, thinking, of course, of Demar and also, you know, all of his teammates who were there seeing everything happening and hoping for good news soon. Hey, Catherine, you know, we've, we've seen the country rally around DeMar. I mean, the toy drives up, toy drive is up over $6 million. I mean, it puts a, such a smile on my face considering his goal was a very modest 2500 I just think that's, that is, that is so heartwarming. I, I, I can't wait for him to, to see that. Uh, and, and God, God willing, he, he will. What about the community of Buffalo, though? The city of Buffalo. What, what is, what is the mood like been there? I know there, I've seen some candlelight vigils and, and it's, it's, it has to be a very difficult time for, for, for everybody there there in New York. Yeah, so there was a vigil yesterday at the stadium. I was actually traveling back when it started, so wasn't there for that, but had some colleagues out there. I think it's also, you know, everyone's really hurting for DeMar, seeing what he's going through and trying to rally around him. But this community's just been through a lot lately, too. Um, you know, it's coming off the heels of a deadly snowstorm where they're, you know, still trying to process that um, right before Christmas and through that where, you know, people died in this blizzard here. Um, going back the last few months, it's been a really rough stretch um, in Buffalo and not to say all of those situations are exactly the same in the way they impacted people, but I think um, the one constant threat is seeing how people react coming out of it and trying to, again, you know, rally around people, support each other, and that's what we were seeing yesterday. Um with that vigil you mentioned, and of course, with those donations going to um, the GoFundMe, he had that from 2020. Like, Damar, first of all, has done toy drive after toy drive um, before he was even in the NFL. And so that was actually going back to an old thing. And, you know, now he's going to be able to spin that forward into so much good, which, um, you know, just knowing him as a person, too, I... I can't imagine once he gets through all this, what that will mean to him. The Bills, you know, as a, as a team that, you know, they're right in the conversation to play in Glendale for a Super Bowl. It would be obviously one of the great sports stories to see that town and that fan base celebrate a championship. Getting there um, is another matter. How How is this football team handling the day-to-day? And, and how do you think they're going to be this weekend when they're tasked to play a game? And, and how do you think they're going to feel about whatever comes down about this the Cincinnati Bengals game that probably isn't going to be played. How are they going to get through this to the end of the season? I think all of that's still kind of secondary right now, just as they wait on news for DeMar. Um, you know, obviously, 
these guys dedicate their lives to this. They're professionals, but I think just kind of the shock of everything that happened, um, you know, we're still at this moment, not sure what the practice schedule will be like this week. And I totally understand. I, again, can't imagine what these guys are going through. Um, it's been I think the Bills already have a lot of good things in place for mental health needs for players, things like that. Um, there was a memo from Roger Goodell yesterday to all clubs that, you know, all teams will be, you know, here's a reminder of like what support is there. Here's what you can do if you need more. And I think that's so important right now. Um, frankly, can't really imagine personally getting ready to play another game after this when, you know, they're still waiting on news on DeMar. Yeah, Catherine, I mean, this would be speculation on your part, but you're, I mean, you're right there and you, you have your your finger on, on the pulse. Could you see a scenario that they, that they would not play the Patriot game on Sunday? Um, it's hard to say. I Again, I just have never really seen anything quite like this. And I think, you know, so much will depend on what they hear with DeMar over the next few days. It's... I don't know, fairly unprecedented in that sense. Um, so, I don't know. It's That game is Sunday, so it'd be, you know, say at least, what is today, Wednesday? Sorry. Yeah, it's been a weird week. Right, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, still got again. a bit of time, but... Um, hard to say. All right, Catherine Fitzgerald from the Buffalo Buffalo News joining us. Catherine, you've spent some time with Demar. You've written about him, who he is as a person. Um, illuminate some of the people in Arizona. What, what have you found out about this young man? Tell us what we should know about him. Yeah, he's been really great to cover. Um, Obviously, I've been covering this team for two seasons and didn't get to know him super well last year just because of what the protocols were. Um, You know, most things were in press conferences instead of locker room access. But this year, have just gotten to know him better. Um, Wrote a bunch earlier this season. He and Dane Jackson, who have been so, so close going. They've known each other since they were young. They played in college together at University of Pittsburgh. And then I did a story on like the two of them getting ready to play the Pittsburgh Steelers early in the season and just talking to DeMar for that, you know, he was telling me about how his dad coaches his little brother and his parents might not make it to his big NFL game because his brother had a playoff QE football game. Um, And he totally supported that. He's so close to his brother. He, you know, he's a little quieter, at least in our interaction, but you know, really funny, kind. Um, his relationship with Dane Jackson, I think, is really cool. And so, really thinking of Dane right now, too. But the toy drive, like, that's so authentic to who he is. Just connecting with his community, um, looking out for kids. And, um, you know, this is not the way I would like more of the NFL to be getting to know about tomorrow. But he's yeah. a really good guy. And so, um, just you know, rooting for him here. Catherine, what can you uh, what can you tell us about his story and, and to the NFL? I, I read a great quote from him the other day about how he views life. He said, the way I grew up teaches you that you cherish everybody in your life because you never know who you'll lose. You could lose anybody. Everybody I talk to, I say, I love you. Here's a guy that came out of pit. Obviously, he was a good enough player to make the NFL, but he was by no means a superstar in college or the NFL. But what about his journey to the league and how that maybe impacted him and defined him as a, as a person and a player. Yeah, and I think to jump back, that's kind of, it was cool seeing how interwoven that has been with Dane Jackson's. Um, You know, they both grew up kind of from a similar area of Pittsburgh, um, went through some hard stuff growing up and just realized early on of, okay, if I make it out of the situation I'm going through, I want to give back to our community. Um, 
they started kind of training at the same place when they were pretty young. And so um, I think to a huge credit to his parents who are going through so much right now. When I was talking to DeMar earlier this season, he was saying so much of who he is goes back to all the ways they figured out how to support him. Um, They had him pretty young. And so he said instead, like he's so close with them because they were making it work. And that's now why like, he has his own clothing brand. He has his foundation because he saw kind of the business savvy they had um, and doing all that while he was preparing for an NFL career too. So, um, you know, six round pick has that underdog story and then was thrust into starting for this team when Micah Hyde got injured earlier this year and, you know, has handled it all so well on top of finding all these ways to give back along the way. You know, there's a, uh, as you said earlier, there's still a lot of uncertainty regarding everything that it's, that it's hard to do any planning uh, moving forward. What do you know about the way Sean McDermott and Zach Taylor reacted in the moment in terms of helping steer this thing to the, to the decision that came down Monday night? Yeah, that was another thing just when we were watching, trying to figure out what exactly was happening. I remember seeing Zach Taylor going across the field, um, you know, all the way towards closer to the Bills sideline and seeing that conversation. So um, credit to those guys for, you know, talking to the teams, making sure that the priority was DeMar's health and then also looking out for all of their guys. Um, I cannot imagine playing a game after that. Um, there was that brief period where some players were starting to warm up again. And I just remember seeing that and being like, what is happening here? So um, I think that was really important for the coaches to take that chance and talk out, see what was going on with both sides. And then, you know, obviously postpone the game. So, Catherine, normally the, the team would be off on Tuesday. I, I heard that they did have a team meeting as they tried to reconvene and, and, and try to figure out which, which, which way this is going to go football-wise. From what you know, are they going to try to have a regular work week now with practice beginning today on, on Wednesday? I mean, you guys are a couple hours, obviously, ahead of us. But uh, from what you know, what, what, is, what is the schedule? What are they going to try to accomplish this week football-wise as they play the Patriots? It's on Sunday. Yeah, as we're talking right now, I'm still not sure. Um, usually their practices are close to like 1230 or so on Wednesday. Um, I just haven't heard quite yet. So I think that's still kind of being determined right now what exactly that will look like on this week. All right. Before we let you go, you did mention that incredible snowstorm. As, as somebody who moved from Arizona to Buffalo, what was that <laughs> like for you, Catherine? Yeah, it's a uh, it's a good question. So when I get a lot, I actually missed the bulk of um, this snowstorm since I ended up going to Chicago early to try to make sure I could get there before the snow, and then actually couldn't get back to Buffalo um, until Wednesday last week. So um, went to Chicago Thursday, and then ended up in uh, Baltimore, where my parents are, for a few days after the game, which was planned at first for Christmas, but then some extra time. Um, but I, I mean, I think a good summary of how the move has been going is my Christmas gift included three pairs of gloves, two hats, a longer <laughs> ice scraper for my car than the one I already have. And 
I think something else. Um, so you get to the middle you know, of the windshield. Yes, I that's that. good. Right, I you, know that you don't want to have to walk around the yeah. car to get the other side of the windshield. You want to just stay on one side of the car, so you're out. Yeah, there. You're out there just or even month. just like I couldn't always reach the middle. So um, you know, still working on my uh, snow shoveling um, uh, no. practice. All right, Catherine, keep up the great work. Thank you for your time this morning. We'll look forward to talking to you down the road. Thank you, guys. Have a good rest of your day. Right, we'll Thanks, see you. Catherine Fitzgerald from the Buffalo News, formerly of AZ Central, joining us. The Rush Hour Reboot with Sarah Cazell is next. You're listening to Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Rush Hour Reboot. Rush Hour Reboot. Getting you up to speed on everything happening in sports this morning. Brought to you by Brooklyn Betting. Arizona built for America's dreams. Hello, my friends. This is the Rush Hour Reboot here on Bickley and Murata Mornings on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. We are getting you caught up on the top stories of the day. I'm Sarah Cazell. I do still work here with Tim Rain. In for Vince. Hi, Tim. Say hi. Say hi. Hello, say hi, Sarah. Tim. Say hello, hello. Tim. Dan Bickley. <laughs> hey! And Jarrett Carlin. I don't know how to make sausage. I don't know what goes into sausage. But you love sausage, don't you, Jared? I, oh, yeah. Oh, oh, I had it so good. last night. I had spaghetti with Italian sausage. Ooh. Oh, my God. Oh, don't that make that noise into the mic ever again. <laughs> Damn, Jared. I'm about to take vacation again. It was, it was so delicious. Was I love it so much. Did I was chopped garlic in there, Fair. When I was eating it. Oh, yeah. When I was making uh-huh. it, when I was eating it, and uh-huh. then all night long after I eat it, I was just saying, oh, that was so delicious. <laughs> Man, I love that so much. And then I had heartburn all night, couldn't sleep, does, but still. How does your wife react to that? Like, yes, yes, honey, I think you yes, you said that 36 times already. <laughs> that was good. We hey, get it. So why don't was, you look at me that way? The key was he made, he made the spaghetti. There's some pride there. Yes, I, I cook all the dinners. Mrs. Jarrett should all be the meals. Really happy. You made that very, very clear. I am the chef in the house. Yeah. Chef, chef. You've never cooked for us, Jared. Carlin, yeah. All right, continue, Cooking up Sarah. Yeah, we don't All need right. to go down this lane anymore. No, we don't. I'm not sure I want him cooking for me. <laughs> yeah, after the way that you've gone after him the last, I don't know, right? 12 years, right. probably yeah. not it's a good like idea. Pepperoni, pizza, or sausage, you know? <laughs> All right, let's start with the Phoenix Suns. They are at the Cleveland Cavaliers tonight. They tip off at 5 o'clock Arizona time. This is the final game of their six-game road trip, which has not been very kind to them, guys. Of course, they lost Devin Booker on Christmas Day against the Nuggets. I think he only played four minutes in that game, uh, and they have lost four of five games from there on. Earlier this week, Monty Williams, the Suns head coach, said there have been some logistical hang-ups that have really made this road trip difficult. All that stuff. I mean, if you look at our schedule, and I'm sure other teams have, may have the same, right? I, I don't get the, when you talk about rest, recovery, and load management, I'm not seeing it in the schedule, you know. But it is what it is. Teams are going to have six, seven game road trips. You can use it as a great time to bond. Um, but everybody has that. I just, across the board, I, I don't see an effort to help in that regard as far as the travel is concerned. I'm sure every coach can sit here and have that same break. 
Okay, he's not impressed with the lack of rest and recovery. Hey guys, I know I've been out for the last week. Yeah. Is the schedule the problem with the Phoenix Suns right now? Yeah, resoundingly no, Sarah. And for a basketball team that likes to pride itself on no excuses, you're sure hearing a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the schedule didn't bother them last year when they won 64 games. Hmm, now so you, what's you, the issue? You could say the rough schedule may hurt you when you are down a mm. bunch of guys. I mean, yeah. I'll give them that. But yeah, that seems like that's some serious excuse making. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think, but and I don't think Monty's. I think Monty's doing that because because to to not do that would only add to all the chaos that's obviously currently enveloping this team. And he's oh. protecting his players. Well, I got you know. Listen, that's fine. Precisely. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the Cavs are currently the fourth team in the East. They are starting to rise up out of their post LeBron James funk. They were forty four and thirty eight last year. The three years prior, they won nineteen games, nineteen games, and twenty two games. At this point in the season, guys, who is the biggest surprise team to you or maybe the most intriguing team to you as we turn into the new year? That's a good question. Because um, for me, it's the Cavs. The Cavs are a yeah, they're a great story. Donovan Mitchell has has been a great addition to that basketball team. By the way, I don't know if you saw this. So Donovan Mitchell just scored seventy one points, right? One more than Devin Booker did. Yeah, great. It's a huge number. The NBA has admitted that his game tying shot was effectively illegal. Which would have nullified the 13 points he scored in overtime, which would have made that 71-point performance look a lot different. Uh, I would say that, yeah, listen, I'm, I'm surprised that the Nets, even with all their talent, wow. right? They look like an absolute train wreck to start they, the season. Completely. They got rid of Steve Nash, and they're the best team in the NBA since. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not totally surprised by the Cavaliers being 10 games over 500 because they went out and got Donovan Mitchell. So I expected them, and they are, what they already had, I think, three yeah. all-stars on their team mm-hmm. prior to that. So I expected the growth that you would you would think would come with the acquisition of a guy like Mitchell. How about the Sacramento well, Kings? That's what I, that, that was the other the team Kings? I was going to mention. The fact that the Kings are the yeah. fifth seed in the West right now, it, uh, that is stunning. The Kings, what do you call them? Sacramento? The Sacramento Kings! What What is what is that? I don't well, know. I've heard people fair, say that. Being fair. Really? Sacramento? Yeah, you've never heard that? Maybe it's a. No. no. Nobody's heard that, no, Jared. I've never heard that. Don't act like that's a thing. It's not a thing. <laughs> What is what is that supposed to be? Like you're throwing tomatoes? Like Sacramento. Sacramento. No, Sacramento. It's a play on their name. Not a That's thing. That's the city the Kings play in. <laughs> Not a play. You do, you thought they were still in Cincinnati? You do know what happens if the Suns lose tonight, don't you? What happens? They're out of the top eight. Oh, oh my goodness gracious. Oh, boy. And they have more. They would officially have more losses than last yes, year, right? Yes, they would. Oh yes. Yikes, yikes, Sarah, yikes, we're eating yikes, up yikes. all your time. What else you, you got? Are, you are eating up all of my time, like like a sack of tomato. <laughs> eating up all of my time. Uh, final question for you guys. Let's get to the NFL. ESPN reported yesterday that Jim Harbaugh and Panthers owner David Tepper have had a quote-unquote quote, conversation about Carolina's head coach opening. Can't be an actual interview until the season ends. It's conversation. Conversation. <laughs> uh, but ESPN's Jeremy Fowler said a couple of days ago that if Harbaugh does jump back into the NFL, he thinks it would most likely be for the Indianapolis Colts. Let's look at the Arizona Cardinals, though. Cliff Kingsbury, currently employed. If it does not stay that way, who would you rather have with the Cardinals? Sean Payton, whom we've been talking about all season, or Jim Harbaugh? Yeah, I would. Um, I take either, to be honest with you. But but I because I think each um, is an impact NFL head coach. I, I like I like Sean Payton because what he could do for Kyler Murray. 
that's where I would go. Yeah, there's a Sean Payton-Kyler Murray dynamic that you can't ignore. Jim Harbaugh's a great football coach. He's going to win. But the way he wins, I don't think, is in concert with the way Kyler Murray wants to play mm. and excel as a quarterback. I mean, Jim Harbaugh wants to play defense and run the football right down your throat uh, for four quarters. I will say this, Sarah. If I'm the University of Michigan, their AD, I'm getting my little short list in order. Mm. Because it looks like Jim Harbaugh is going somewhere. Yeah. If not the Panthers, the Colts, I'm somewhere. Jim Harbaugh is going back to the NFL. That's the way I read the situation. Even with the cushy little setup he's got That's, going there, yeah, you think he's, he's ready to jump? If he's talking with Carolina, he's ready to go. He's gonna. He's ready to take anything. Sarah, I don't think he ever really wanted to go back to college. They just threw so much money at him, and plus his, you know, his father's ties to Ann Arbor and his ties to Ann Arbor and Bo Schembechler and all that nonsense. That's and they and they threw you know like nine million dollars a year at him. Yeah, and then took a little bit of it away. And then took, yeah, took it back. And then, he earned, and then he earned and then it back. back. And then he's back again. Okay, final question because we are uh, running a little bit late here on the Rush Hour Reboot. Speaking of the Carolina Panthers, Steve Wilkes has them 5-6 and six right now under him. That's not including 1-4 and four under Matt Rule before he was let go. And they've got a, what I think is a, a winnable game for them on Sunday against the New Orleans Saints. Do you think next year, if not in Carolina, Steve Wilkes is a permanent, he's an NFL head coach again somewhere else? Uh, it, it sounds like Carolina is not interested despite all the good stuff that he has done. So I don't know if he's going to, I think he'll be in the mix. Here's the problem. If Carolina doesn't want to retain him after what he did in that locker room, Mm -hmm. what does that tell you? If if, if he can't get that job, why would he get another job? He'll get interviews. If there's an easy answer, it's because the the owner of the football team wants the defensive coordinator from the 49ers instead. He's got a guy that he's got in mind. But you're right. It is is a troubling question. Sarah, thank you. We appreciate it. You have been rebooted. Rebooted. All right. Coming up on the other side in the NFL, a couple of aging superstars are making a late surge. Great. Why am I so happy about it? We'll tell you about that next. Tim Ring in for Vinny. I'm Dan Bickley. You're listening to Arizona Sports, the local sports league. Bickley and Murata Mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata. Hash marks. We're becoming a more dangerous team, and uh, you know we've all seen some of the uh, commentary outside as we went from four and eight to five and eight to six and eight, and nobody's worried about the Packers and blah 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 blah. Now what are you going to say? Welcome back, happy Wednesday, everybody. Dan Bickley alongside Tim Ring, who is it filling in for the vacationing Vince Morata? He'll be back next week. Jerry, are we going to say something? I thought you were going to say the for the vegan Vince Morata. No. Well, maybe well it is now. the new year. Maybe it is the new year. Yep. Who knows? Resolutions. Vince? Yeah, nah. right now. All right, so uh, as we teased before the break, there was a time this year when it looked like it was kind of going to be a postseason free of Tom Brady and free of Aaron Rodgers, two of the hallmark NFC quarterbacks and two of the more polarizing quarterbacks in football. We're going into week 18, and Tom Brady has already clinched the division with a three-touchdown pass performance last week against the Panthers. And all Aaron Rodgers, well, not all, but Aaron Rodgers has got a home game against the Detroit Lions, and if they win that game, they are going to be in. And suddenly the NFC, where the Packers and the Bucks would certainly be two teams that looked even less than average for most of this year, would you bet against either? 
in a conference that will feature maybe Brock Purdy quarterbacking the 49ers, Dak Prescott quarterbacking the Cowboys, Jalen Hurts in Philadelphia if he gets healthy. You know what I'm saying here. A lot of good players having good seasons, but not the playoff pedigree that seems to make a big difference. So you, what you're basically got, you got the revenge of these two dudes who looked like they were on their way out at one I, point this year. As as poor as the Buccaneers play football and as horrendous and eyesore that offense is, mm-hmm. if you were asking me would you bet against either, I would I would be more inclined to bet on Tom Brady at home against Mike McCarthy and Dak Prescott than I would if 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 it stays chalk right now in the mm-hmm. NFC and the Eagles win that number one seed or earn that number one seed, then the Cowboys will go to Tampa. But it also means Aaron Rodgers does have to go to San Francisco, Dan. I have sat through many, many Packer 49er playoff games. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, Packers had their number. Lately, not so much. Agreed. Even when the Packers Agreed. have been the higher seed, they cannot beat that football team in the postseason. That so now, to me is what makes the Packers a little dangerous this year because for the last three years, they've been a 13-win, number one seed kind of team with all the pressure to perform week off. Now they're the team that's rolling hot, the underdog. It, everything has changed for them. That is certainly one way to look at it. I would say that if they have to go into Santa Clara and play against Kyle Shanahan's run, def- run, run rushing attack and that 49er ferocious defense, the Packers are still, first of all, they'd be 9-8 and because mm-hmm. to get there, they'd have to beat the Lions mm-hmm. on Sunday, obviously. That is still essentially a 500 Packer football team. I, I, Aaron Rodgers went out there 13 and 3 record for the NFC Championship game a couple of years ago. And I, and I know Brock Purdy's now quarterbacking, but man, he's, he's looking pretty good. Mm-hmm. I, 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 for the life of me, you, you pose the question would you bet against him? Yeah, I would bet against Aaron Rodgers in that situation. I can't see how the Packers would go out there and, and, and knock off this, this version of this 49er team in the postseason. Right. Uh, I, just, I just don't I, see it. I, I, don't, I don't hear see you. it. I hear you, but the way this season is going, I don't know if we, could we really handle Aaron Rodgers gloating? Because he's starting to already. Now, this it's interesting because... They, yeah, can I play that obnoxious sound? They're gonna, please do. They're going to feed do. him his lunch, the 49ers. We're becoming a more dangerous team, and I've, you know we've all seen some of the uh, commentary outside as we went from 4-8 and eight to 5-8 and eight to 6-8, and eight, and nobody's worried about the Packers and blah, 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 blah. Now what are you going to say? I, you know what I'm going to say? I'm going to say you beat the Bears. They suck. You beat the Rams. They suck. You beat the Dolphins. When you beat them, they suck. And, and you beat a quarterback who was not in the right head. And I say that with all seriousness. And then you beat a Viking team at home. And that was rather impressive. Now, couldn't they play the Vikings still? And not necessarily oh, yeah. the 49ers? Oh, yeah, no. Yes, yes. Of course. It, in the playoffs. It's, it's not all set. What, what I, what, all I said was if it stays chalk, in other words, like the way it is right now, they would have to go to Santa Clara for the 7-2 game. Mm-hmm. The Packers will but be again, the seventh seed, it's though. Brock Purdy. So, uh, as, and you don't know what you're going to get from those guys in the court. I, I hear what you're saying. Um, here, here's what I would counter with. It, this is going to be an interesting scene because the, the Seahawks are going to play the Rams in, in Seattle, right? The game's in Seattle. So if Seattle wins that game, the Lions are effectively eliminated. And now the Packers have to win to eliminate Seattle. 
And the the Packers-Lions game is Sunday night football, so that's the last game. They're banking on the fact that that the audience and Dan Campbell's team, even if they're eliminated, would, would get enough motivation from eliminating the Packers to still give them that kind of effort and that kind of game. I, I just don't see the Packers losing this game at Lambeau. And it's, it's watching – it was October 26th when Kurt Warner in an interview – with People Magazine said, you know what? I look at Kurt. I'm sorry. I look at Tom Brady. I look at Aaron Rodgers. They look exhausted. Maybe it's okay to say I've had enough. I'm done. And here we are now. And again, I'm with you. I've watched some Buccaneers football recently. They've looked atrocious. Tom Brady has looked disinterested. Whatever fire Tom Brady has had, it's been all negative energy, throwing tablets, screaming at team, it's screaming at referees. Spiking the football because he doesn't get a late hit and getting a penalty. He hasn't looked right at all until last week's game against the Panthers when he's throwing deep bombs to Mike Evans. And I'm thinking, okay, great. So now he's suddenly going to get focused for this. I know, but I'm sure the NFL is all for it. Brady, Rodgers, the Pittsburgh Steelers and the other side, if they roll into the playoffs, these are huge markets, huge storylines. You don't think they'd rather have Brady and Rodgers than Jared Goff and Geno Smith? Exactly. Or whoever the hell is in Carolina. Exactly. And I believe Sam Darnold, that's right. I believe they will be, but I also believe they'll both be one and done. I mean, Brady's either going to host the Cowboys or the Eagles. Mm -hmm. I guess Jared Excellent point. If the Packers do end up going to Minnesota, absolutely Aaron Rodgers can win that football game. Can he win a game in Santa Clara? Anything can happen. I think not. I think it'll be a, I think it'll be a yeah. short stay in the postseason for the Packers and the, and the Buccaneers, given, given who they probably will end up playing in their first playoff game. So how, are we ready for the Jacksonville Jaguars in the playoffs? Would that be something fresh and cool? Sure. I like Trevor Lawrence. I do, too. Unlike Jacksonville itself. Well, not, fresh. not yeah. fresh, not, not cool. cool. Not fresh, not cool. But Christian Kirk, right? Yeah! That, I mean, that is an interesting sort of turnaround after the absolute debacle that the last season was with Urban Meyer and everybody labeling Trevor Lawrence a bust that they could turn around and potentially make the playoffs. Also, would be an absolute total collapse by Tennessee. Yeah, Cause, cause many, weren't, weren't many, they like seven and two or something at one point? Yes, and what is their losing streak at right now? I don't have that off the top of my head, but it's a bunch. It's a bunch. I think personally, what I would like to see, I am down with Jacksonville winning. I, I think that would be something new and cool. Tennessee has lost six in a row. I would also six like I would also cat. like the Rams to do us a solid and beat Seattle in Seattle. Hang a losing record on the Seahawks, eliminate them from the playoffs, and then make that Lions-Packers game a win-or-get-in kind of deal. That, that would, would be, be cool. That would be a good way to end the season. That would be cool. I will say this. I think. Tell me if you guys agree. I think the NFC playoffs have more intrigue woven between all seven teams, no matter what seven they are, whereas the AFC clearly has the cream of the crop at the top and maybe the best couple of teams, well, if not the best three yeah. teams in the entire league. Like, you know it's coming down well, to two of those three teams in the AFC. Yeah, yeah. I, whereas the and NFC, again, it's it like, just, who, like the NFC could, could 
spit out anybody when it comes to the AFC is going to be all about the Buffalo Bills and their emotional state and how they're going to handle this DeMar Hamlin tragedy. As Catherine Fitzgerald said, it's too early um, in the Buffalo realm to move past the player into the cause, but it time's ticking. They're playing football this weekend. And she did. I mean, it's the middle of the morning on Wednesday, and she didn't even know right. if they were going to practice today that's or not. That's exactly right. And that, we're in a game week. That's right. exactly right. That non-answer to me was very much an answer. Like, you know, it's still very up in the air in Buffalo, mentally. Yeah. For that for, the, yeah. for that football team. All right, we're at the midway point of today's show. The Bickley Blast is next. Stick around. You're listening to Tim Ring in for Vinny. I am Dan Bickley. This is Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.